Hello and welcome to a special two-part edition of Gigenspiel. Today we're going to be splitting our topics into two discussions. So uh, Eric and I went to go see Rise of Skywalker yesterday along with Anita and uh, your roommate. Um, what's your roommate's name again? Caleb. Can't I know it's a C. I'm like I'm like yeah. Corey. No, he doesn't look like a Corey. It was a here's some money. Go see a Star War. <laughs> and then uh, Jeff and I went to Pax a couple weekends ago, and uh, and Eric did not, and Jeffrey did not see Rise of Skywalker. So I'm going to forcibly remove each one from part of the episode, so that we can talk about this, and while the other one rudely sits in a corner and keeps their fingers in their ears. <laughs> I just feel like that's the best way to do this. It's just it's just the way I want to do it. <laughs> it's a good thing that we're talking about this like the day after because I really needed a lot of this movie to sink in and kind of absorb it like a sponge. So I guess I guess my question for you is then what are your initial thoughts? Oh, wait, quick timeout. By the way, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. Oh, yeah. So if you do not want to hear any spoilers for Rise of Skywalker... Uh, I'm going to tell you to skip ahead to the next part or listen to another podcast episode, but definitely listen to us and nothing else. Yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, there are some parts that I feel don't necessarily make as much sense as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, for the, for the most part, I enjoyed it. There were a lot of really cool, uh, moments. There were a lot of really, uh, like, moments that where if I was anybody other than me, I might have been sitting in that movie theater crying. So you're saying you you would have been crying or would not have been crying? I would have been. You would have been crying. Yeah. Okay. Um but why why didn't you? I don't Because emotions have no hold over you? Basically. Okay. I mean most of the time anyway. Anita cried three separate times. (laughs) One of them was before the movie even started. She cried she cried during the trailer for Mulan. But now my my biggest issues with the movie is uh, one, the Kylo Ren Ben Solo redemption thing feels like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like everybody wanted it. I know everybody wanted it because people have been talking about it on the internet for the last four years uh, since Force Awakens came out. But it feels like it kind of came out of left field because nothing really in the last two movies to me showed that that would be what was going to happen with him. Um, because it, it, especially in The Last Jedi, it just like felt like he was going in more and more of a downward spiral. That's an excellent point. That He definitely ends the last movie like as if he's just cementing not being redeemable. Yeah. And then the other big issue that I would say that I have is half of the plot of the movie... Um, with Ray being a Palpatine and all that, and her freaking out and this and that and the other thing, a lot. I feel like a lot of things could have been different and maybe better if she had maybe talked to her friends about what was going on with her. The, doesn't does anyone find out she's a Palpatine? I forgot. I don't think she told anybody. I don't now. think she tells anyone. Um, uh, Luke's Force Ghost says that he knew and that Leia knew. But I don't think that anybody is made aware of this knowledge other than Ben Solo. That's a good point. And I think it would have been a lot more it would have been a lot better for her to have said that to to her friends and they'd be like, We don't care, we we know who you are and you're not some evil schmuck. Right. And then where did she get her yellow 
this kyber crystal <laughs> for her lightsaber. It's only a problem Where, for you. <laughs> yes, it is, because those things are kind of important, and as far as I know, the planet that they used to be able to find those on doesn't exist anymore. There's a million different ways she could have found it. I mean, there's got to be pieces of lightsaber scattered all over the galaxy. And then, I don't know if it's necessarily canon anymore, because Disney, but the House of Mouse can suck a fat one. I don't care. <laughs> the yellow lightsabers were used, and I know that it doesn't matter because the Jedi Temple isn't around anymore, and the blah blah blah, whatever, who cares. The yellow lightsabers were used by, like, the Jedi Temple guards. What if she is now the guardian of what's left of the Jedi, in that she's every part of the... She's the oh, leader of the... her? Yeah, she's the leader of the Jedi, the guardian, she's the janitorial squad of the Jedi, she's, she's the, the cafeteria lady of the Jedi, she's, you know, that's her job now. She's all the Jedi positions. She's the She's the manager. She's the she's the manager above the manager when you want to speak to the manager. Let me speak to your manager. Does a 360. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello there. But that, that, that those are really the only issues that I have with the movie and they're not even necessarily big ones aside from the the Ben Solo redemption thing coming out of nowhere. But I feel like thinking about it because his whole thing kind of tied together nicely with the Harrison Ford cameo. Um, I feel like the way that that scene played out then was how it should have played out in episode seven. Like, like there should have been a, there should have been a ghost of Harrison Ford in that one, or just the way they talked about it. No, the the way they talked about it and the way it played out where he threw his lightsaber. Yeah. I, fe I feel like if it had played out that way in episode seven or maybe sometime in episode eight, his redemption arc would have made more sense. I think it should have happened more in 8 because you need to establish him as being an asshole. And I think him killing Han Solo was important for his character. No, I, 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 I kind of agree. I did also very much enjoy General Hux or whatever. <laughs> where, he, where he was like, it's me, I'm the spy. And they're like, why are, you, why are you helping us? I don't care if you win. I just want to see Kylo Ren lose. <laughs> so that scene, it, so it turns out in the movie that General Hux, played by Bill Weasley from Harry Potter, because I Correct. I will not remember. He's, he's um, what is it? Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson, but his father, his father is, um, the guy who plays, like, Mad-Eye Moody, and he's in, like, a million other movies. He's a great actor. Oh, really? Yeah, he's his son. Uh because they're, they're both Gleasons and, and you know, acting families, et cetera, et cetera. And so Anita and I were putting together our list of things that we liked or thought worked in the movie and things that we didn't like and thought didn't work last night. And we both enjoy that not only is his character like the pettiest little shit, which he, he really totally is. is, but he goes out like a bitch. He gets <laughs> like he has the most like the dumbest death scene uh and he deserves every second of it and he, he's just this slimy weasel for three movies straight and oh they captured me and they made me show them their ship and blah 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 <laughs> just takes the gun shoots him in the stomach and just moves on like nothing happened <laughs> found the traitor <laughs> the other complaint that i have is that it feels like to me the final battle was a little bit anticlimactic but I'm thinking that maybe that's just because I was expecting a big flashy lightsaber fight, and it wasn't. Yeah, um, yeah. It would have been cool to to have... Uh, uh, we had Palpy back, so why couldn't he just do, like, a 960 again and go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he just, he just kind of... 
the the final climactic battle is super like unfulfilling. It's it's him just shooting force lightning at Ray, who then like you know doubles up she, some lightsaber. Yeah, she pulls a Mace Windu. Mace, yeah, and she just kind of approaches him, and then he just starts disappearing. Melting. He start he starts uh, Raiders of the Lost Arcing right there, and um, disappears in in, a, in an explosion or some kind, and he just melts away, and that's it. And that's just really kind of I don't know. I did expect some kind of three sixty kind of nonsense thing. This is supposed to be the most powerful being in the universe right there, and he just kind of walked at him with two lightsabers. Yeah, I do also like. Where, and again, I don't have any problems, like major problems with the Last Jedi. I did like the fact that the movie worked very hard to subvert expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did like the one part where, uh, whatever the character's name was, but Dominic Monaghan was like, "We should pull a Holdo maneuver," and they're like, "That that's not that's like a one in a million shot." Yes, because I, I liked that they made reference to it, and um, I also liked that there was a random Hobbit in the movie there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> was it Dominique? What's his last name? Uh, Dominic Monaghan. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm pretty sure it's Mary. Or it's he was Mary. He was Mary. Overall, I've, I, I I enjoyed the movie. Um, I'll probably try and see it again at some point just to see if there's things that I missed that I didn't necessarily see. Because, you know, when you watch a movie again, you usually catch on other Yeah, because you're just kind of mostly just taking it all in for the first time. Right. It was a little terrifying that they made a whole fleet of star destroyers that were death stars that was like it's a little it's both scary and also it's the can't be star wars thing to do like i'm down with yeah it. well because like you know you make the death star it gets blown up so what do you do you make the death star again but you make it look scarier it's death star 2 death star 2 electric yeah. <laughs> and, and then what did you do after that oh you make another death star except it's not a star it's a planet and it blows up five planets at once and it eats a star. And then what you do, well, we, we can't, what, are you going to make an even bigger planet with an even bigger? No, we're going to make an entire fleet of Star Destroyer ships, but they're all armed with Death Star cannons, because of course they are. <laughs> and even the characters are like, at one point, they're like, of course they do. Right, yeah. I enjoyed it. I kind of wish that we had more Force Ghost Luke show up. Yeah. Um, But I did like the part where he, like, pulls the X-Wing out of the water there. Yeah. Because that was that was very like very like Yoda did that and now Luke's doing it. Mm-hmm. There's a scene near the end where like all of the the spirits of the Jedi like come to talk to Rey. It's cool trying to pick out all like the cameo voices you hear in there. So like Yoda was in there, Liam Neeson, the uh, Hayden Christensen. Samuel Motherfucker Jackson. Samuel L. Motherfucker Jackson. Don't forget the L. And no, the L doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, both Ewan McGregor and um, I don't know how they got uh, what's his face's voice to say the word Ray. I'm sure it was somewhere in the past. Oh, uh, Alec, Alec Guinness. Guinness. Yeah, they probably yeah, because I mean they did the same thing in Force Awakens where they used like a blend of his voice and Ewan McGregor. Okay, wait, was he was this character's voice in Force Awakens? Yeah, when. She gets the when she first touches a lightsaber and she has that force vision. Oh yes, that's right. She hears a whole bunch of different voices. Yeah. yeah. Who else was it? Oh, apparently there was a bunch of characters from the animated shows in there too, which I think was a a nice nod for Disney to do because you know how much they don't give a shit about things that aren't the movies. 
I mean, they are making another season of the Clone Wars show, so yeah, because it's doing real. Because it's because right now it's the only thing people keeping their Disney Plus subscriptions for. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's like people are like, "Cool!" And half of these half of these movies are like, "Yeah, you got your Star Wars movies. Okay, that's fun. You got your Mandalorian. This is why I got it. You got all the Marvel movies, which." Yeah, that'll keep people for a little bit, but you know, at one point people are like, "Wait, I can get a a, a Blu-ray of this or a digital copy." So, what's keeping people subscribed? You got to get the Marvel shows out there. You got to get more Star Wars stuff. You'll keep me interested. Baby Yoda. Oh my God, Baby Yoda's life. It was the biggest mistake Disney ever made. Was introduce was 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 creating this was having this created somehow and not having the merchandising ready. For Christmas time. Right. There's like nothing. In fact, this is what blows my mind. If you go to like Second and Charles or any other place that sells like too many Funkos, there's a Funko of the Mandalorian. There's a Funko of that, uh, what is it, Nick Nolte's character? I don't know, the guy who plays the uh, the I Have Spoken guy. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, there's a Funko of him. There is no Funko of Baby Yoda available until May. Well. How did they, I... how did they miss the ball with that? I think that's because they wanted to surprise people with that being a thing. They still should have had the merchandise ready. Yeah. But the issue with that becomes then you have people working in factories or in stores or whatever, leaking material out. Yeah, because I think the number one place where spoilers come from are are toy flings. Yeah. That's where that's where spoilers for all these movies come from is is toys or Lego sets. And the the people making the catalogs will take a picture or release it or or right. just go to trade magazines, which I think is hysterical. Because these things are being made for merchandising to begin with, and the merchandising is what spoils it for the people who want to see like the story. So here here are the things that I, I and Anita talked about that we think worked and didn't work. So the very first thing that I thought was great about this movie was they finally gave me what I wanted since the very first one of Force Awakens, and that was a movie where Ray, Finn, and Poe were, like, together the entire time. Yeah. Well, I mean, not the entire time. But for most of it, for a lot of it. Yeah. uh, They have the best chemistry. They're probably some of the best actors in the movies. And they just do a really great job, and I really liked them, and I always thought in Force Awakens the new people were the strongest part of it. And so I really uh, liked that we got to see a lot of them together. I did also very much... Uh, love the um, Lando coming back. Yeah, that was a that, they did that really well. They did because he showed up and he was wearing a mask, and I was like thinking to myself, I'm like calling it now. That's gonna be Lando. Oh, I thought two the same later, thing. I, I yeah, thought two, two seconds later he takes off the mask. And I'm like, hey, look at that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not gonna be surprised here. This is definitely him. <laughs> I really, really liked. Uh, the Emperor Palpatine at the end of the movie. I thought... Oh, with the little crane thing It was so around. creepy, and it was so it well was. done. There, there are these gorgeous shots in the film of just him and this crane and this giant throne behind him in this... In, in this They go to the Sith planet, and it's just nothing but darkness and lightning, and it's the coolest thing. And he seems so sinister, and he seems so much scarier than he ever was in any of the other movies. It's like a horror movie, almost. It's pretty great. Uh, I I kind of liked the redemption of Kylo Ren. I thought the way they did the redemption made a lot of sense. I I think he kind of had to like die in a way, which is what he did, and kind of killed off that part of him. Because I thought it was interesting with his character 
from The Force Awakens, he's not a light side person struggling with the dark side. He's a dark side person struggling with the light. And I thought that was a cool flip on that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the opposite of Anakin. Exactly. And I kind of, and I understand what you're saying. It, does, it doesn't seem like, it does seem out of left field, but I'll get to why I think that is in a bit, especially after The Last Jedi. So I think the way they went about it made sense, and I think it made sense for him at, to, at the end of the movie, spoiler, to die. He had to die. There was no way he could have gone on, I think, as a functioning character. We really liked um, the return of Han and Luke, the way that they had them show up. Both of those scenes were really good. We liked the Sith planet. We were, I wrote down here, cool looking, but stupid name. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called. I can't remember it either, but every time I heard it, it sounds like uh, some kind of um, like Metamucil product for like to help you poop. It was weird. Um, like Exagoth or something? Or yeah, Exagol? something Exagol? Like Exagol? I don't know. Oh, Anita said that she liked there was less love nonsense than it was in The Last Jedi. Doesn't feel necessary the universe or galaxy or whatever the fuck is at stake and they have planet killing weapons you can calm down with all the kissing and the trying to do the doodly do that's not the main concern yeah no <laughs> we really liked the way that they had that like i said with the jedi spirits like talking to to ray at the end but yeah. that in this in this like chamber of the throne room of the sith there's also what looked like like shadowy spirits of all the past Sith sitting around like in a big like, like procession, it's a coliseum like a coliseum. Yeah. And it was really cool. Oh, I, I liked the way that they showed the droids overall, mostly that people were so sick of C-3PO's shit. <laughs> they were so, they were so done with him and, and he kind of, he has an important plot point and it makes sense to a, to a point. And so I think that whole thing, he has like a weird subplot, which is actually kind of funny and touching. And I, I thought that was cute. We like that Chewie gets a lot more attention than he usually does. Uh, although still, I feel like not enough because I always want more Chewie. And those are a lot of things that we thought worked. And, and we both enjoyed the movie. And, but here are the things that we, that we feel like didn't work. It's, it's a, it is a carbon copy of Return of the Jedi. And just like all the movies are copies. And it feels rushed. And the reason it feels rushed is... And the reason that it feels like carbon copy is is this unfortunately is not a is a trilogy without a central vision. You have the original trilogy, which was all George Lucas and his other like the directors who had a lot of say in kind of keeping his worst tendencies down and expanding it into this fun mythological space story. And then you had the prequels, which say what you want about them, it was all George Lucas, so it followed his vision. This one felt like a mandate between what the studios wanted and then what two completely different directors wanted. You have Force Awakens, then you have Last Jedi, and Last Jedi was so, it was so contentious between the fans and, and like, the critics. So what they did is they made this movie, and I feel like, and I've seen people point this out in some reviews and stuff I've been reading, and I think it makes a lot of sense, they're actively trying to, like, retcon the movie before it while trying to tell a new story. Yeah. Remember that helmet he smashes in the second movie and doesn't wear anymore? Oh, he puts it back together. Sorry, that was a mistake, guys. He needs to have it. Did you hate that Rose character in the love story? Guess what? She only appears like three times and has like two lines of dialogue. The lightsaber getting broken and then it's magically back together again. Yeah, like what what happened there? I'm so confused. Uh, One of my favorite things that someone pointed out was how you know, um, Poe makes a lot of mistakes in the second movie. 
and how it's kind of a way of like, you know, you need to learn from your instincts and how to be a better leader, et cetera, et cetera. And this one, everyone, all the good guys are perfect at all times. No one makes a mistake at any point. So that's that's like the general complaint I have about it. So the movie feels rushed because it feels like they had to fit all this stuff in so that they can meet the criteria of what a Star Wars trilogy should be. Uh, but there are a couple things that were weird just within the aspect of the movie itself. For one thing, they keep introducing new characters, and it's a little late for that, guys. It's the last movie in the in the series. I don't care about this person that meets that Poe knows from his past, which they kind of bring up as being a thing that they, people should have cared about, but I guess I didn't. Uh, yeah, no, I also didn't really care about that. Yeah, they go to this planet to get this MacGuffin, and he meets up with this lady who's both mad at him, but also may have had a past with him, and and that didn't that that that, that led nowhere, except to a really funny thing, like like really funny thing at the very end of the movie. But that was beside the point. And then they introduced the people on the planet uh, on Endor. Was that on Endor or one of the Endor system planets? I think I think that was the main planet Endor, because I don't. In episode six, they're on a forest moon of Endor. Oh, the forest moon of... But is it the forest moon of Endor, or is it the forest moon called Endor? Like, the forest moon that's, of Endor? That, that's the question that I've never been able to figure out. Okay, I think, so... They're... I think that Endor is the planet, and they have a forest moon. That's what I think. Oh, okay, so the Ewoks are on a forest moon, and they're on the actual planet of Endor, and there's pieces of the Death Star there, and they come upon a tribe of former stormtroopers just like Finn and which, which I actually really enjoyed that. You liked that. Okay. I did. I did because it like uh, when you're watching episode 7 and you see that happen you're like, "Well, what makes him so special that he's the only one that breaks out of like whatever conditioning that they put the stormtroopers through when they kidnapped him as children?" I mean, you find this and it's like, "Okay, maybe he's not necessarily that special, but to him as a character, knowing that there are more people like him is important. Yes, I, I agree with that. And uh, and they do hint at him having, like, an inkling of Force sensitivity several times, which I thought was really neat. Yeah. He, he kind of taps into it a couple times. Uh, there was a lot of stuff happening in this movie. There's lots of jumping around. It's It feels like it's kind of all over the place sometimes. It's kind of hard to, like, get a handle on it. The reaction to Palpatine returning was so, like, first of all, this is the thing, no one in the theaters at any point clapped or cheered or gasped or anything. There was no reaction. Your roommate said that, too. Caleb said that, too. He's like, yeah, I expected people to do this at that revelation. No one did anything. They're like, Palpatine is back. And everyone just sort of accepted this. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> well, I think that if that hadn't been spoiled in trailers and stuff then that might have gotten a different reaction i agree because it's like it's like you think palpatine's dead you're going into this movie okay kylo runs the bad guy opening credits scroll and palpatine is back you're like wait what the fuck yeah like <laughs> it's not really a spoiler when it happens in the opening scroll <laughs> the dead rise or something like that or the dead live yeah the fact that nobody seemed to care that he that she was a palpatine no one no one seemed to have really react to that i thought it was it didn't make me feel any different i'm like oh that's a weird that's a weird angle to go 
for me, it was kind of like a, I saw that coming. Yeah, it's it's you're running out of characters who could be anyway. I was kind of hoping that maybe she was like an Obi Wan child or something. I don't know. Then she could be like half Mandalorian because you know he he had a thing for the Mandalorians because of the high ground. Yeah, it's because they have jetpacks which are portable high grounds. Uh, two final things. One, uh, they introduce Jedi healing powers or essentially energy transferal. To be fair, that was introduced on Wednesday in Mandalorian. So that happens in there. Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't. We haven't seen that episode yet. But yeah, somebody somebody gets beat up a little bit, and Baby Yoda heals them. Oh, Baby Yoda. I I always thought that was something they could do, but I first of all I thought that was a Sith power, which again makes sense in the context of of it happening. But at the same time. It, they they try to introduce it early enough so that it it becomes a like something they can use later on in the movie and not seem completely out of place, but it still feels like it was just sort of paste it in there. But uh, the Knights of Ren were a huge letdown. Yes, they they've been talking about these characters for two movies, and you meet them, and I thought that they were Jedi that Luke was training that went with Kylo Ren, but they don't got lightsabers. No, there is. Uh, apparently a comic series that's coming out right now called The Rise of Kylo Ren that supposedly explains them a little more. So here's here's the thing about that, and this is the uh, one of the biggest problems I have, not with this movie, not with anything, but it's with the way Star Wars is treated by its own parent studio. And I'm, and I'm about to get nerdy here for a second, and and I want to I want to point something out. This is an action fantasy space movie about Muppets. For the people who get upset about it, yes, this movie is never going to be. Uh, it's not going to be the, the movie you you liked as a kid. This is not going to happen. Like, uh, they're 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 good movies. They're not Shakespeare. They're not anything like that. But the thing that really gets I think people involved with this stuff is just this world building. Like the world of Star Wars, the universe of Star Wars is super cool and interesting. And there's so much you can do and introduce such cool characters. And there's stories you want to hear and see and play. You know what I mean? People. People love um, Knights of the Old Republic, KOTOR, because it's it's a great game with, like, great story. People love the Clone Wars um, TV show because it's a good story. And, like, the dozens upon millions upon hundreds of books and comics and all of this stuff. And the way the way that the movie system works, the way that Disney's film or whoever whoever's in charge of this, they don't care. They don't care that all this stuff came before it because it would be too much effort for them to to sift through all of that information just to make sure make sure something matched up with a, a TV show cartoon episode from like t- 10 years ago. Well, that's why when when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they said, "Okay, anything that's not a main series movie or the Clone Wars animated show is no longer canon." Exactly. So so, so Kotor, all of those old books and comics and all that none of that matters yes and now if that, if that hurts you as a as a somebody who like is emotionally attached to star wars fans i understand that what bothers me more is that they introduce these questions into the movie without explaining or giving at least something behind it and then they just sort of let it sit there and so then they let other creators pick up the pieces but i as a creator i would be upset if i was the one like if I if if I were a creator of this, I would be upset if I went through the effort of creating a comic or a novel or something, only to find out that it doesn't really matter in the end, or that somebody later on with a mandate for a script can just 
sort of erase or get rid of that. And I think that's I think that's crapping on the efforts of people who try really hard to tell good stories. And that just bothers me. I agree. That's all I had to say about that. Um, in conclusion, do you have any closing comments on the movie as it is? Rise of Skywalker. Um, here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> I think this one was fun. I think I liked it better than the first two. I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm going to go a little dark horse here and say that I actually enjoyed The Last Jedi probably a little more. Okay. If not just for like the fact that the movie was about the subversion of expectations, and that's always that's always refreshing and nice to do. And this movie, unfortunately, tries to take a lot of that back. But uh, I, I I do think I need to see it again to get a better idea of my feelings on it. But uh, it is it is a lot of fun. The movie is a lot of fun. Shut your brain off for a bit and and enjoy a Star War. Well, Eric, thank you very much for talking about this film with me. Yeah. I appreciate your input and your opinions. And uh, if you see it again and you have any other insights, please let us know. And we'll wait till Jeff sees it and we'll see what he has to say about it. it. Sounds like a plan. Well, you have a fantastic weekend. And if I don't see you or talk to you before the holidays, have a happy holiday. You also do that thing. I'll do that thing. I'm pretty sure that this is coming out. You said you're not going to be able to edit. So. This is also true. I will so. not be able to edit this until later in the week. This will come out after Christmas time. So happy Crimbo. Happy Crimbo. Merry Chanaka. It'll still be Chanaka, so Chappy Chanaka, everyone. Now um, I'm going to hit this button, and Eric's going to fall through a trap door that I've put into his room, and we'll bring Jeff on. So bye. Click. Oh, no. <laughs> Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm okay. What is this about the kick-ass? Uh... There was the character there, the main villain, well, the son of the main villain of the first movie, who became the main villain of the second movie. He took on the pseudonym, the motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that one. And I've heard terrible things about it. And uh... Is that the one with Jim Carrey? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that That one looked weird. Yeah, it, it it didn't look good. I just I just looked up like the fight scenes from the on YouTube, and they were pretty entertaining, but also per kick ass, they were very visceral. That movie's that movie's always been very visceral. Yes, it has. So if you hear any screams while we're doing this, it's probably Eric who's falling down the bottomless pit I installed in his room. Yes. So that way he wouldn't interrupt us while we were <clears throat> recording this about PAX. Because we just finished talking about a Star War. And, uh, nice. And let me tell you something. I don't want to spoil nothing for you, but I do. There's one thing I need to spoil. You need to know this before you go in. Yes. Ray. Ray. Is the daughter. Is the daughter. Of Jar Jar Binks. <gasps> yeah, the whole theater gasped at once and a couple people even vomited. <laughs> in their seats uncontrollably it was it was terrifying it was honestly terrifying and the just it didn't feel the same afterwards oh my so. god <laughs> it makes so much sense it just makes so much it just it just it just all the pieces once you saw it like it's just 
it's 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 kind of like how Knives Out or any other mystery movie just sort of pieced it together for you. Like the answers were there the whole time. We just ignored them because we didn't <laughs> want it to be true. <laughs> but it was. Do you have plans uh, to see it at any point? I uh, this week I have off the whole week, so I'm going to see about setting something up with uh, the sister and brother-in-law to go see it. Nice. I'm just surprised because you're usually an opening weekend kind of guy. Uh, I'm not you. Not all the time. I'll do not it for certain okay. movies, but I knew this one. I'm just like I don't want to deal with the uh, with the crowds and the people and <laughs> the people with the Ryan. Uh, like for some reason, I saw like Ryan Johnson is the worst and like. What are the He's what a are witch? These people? <laughs> just Burn the hate, him. The hate people have. It's so. It's a freaking Star Wars movie, people. <laughs> well, anyway, we we look forward to hearing your thoughts after you see it. But today, you and I are going to discuss our fun time adventures at PAX Unplugged, which do, 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 is do, 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 do. the Penny Arcade Expo. Uh, Unplugged specifically because it focuses on board games and tabletop games, role playing games, that kind of thing. It's happened, this is what, the third year? Yes, third year. Third year in Philadelphia. Now, PAX has been going on for some time in other parts of the country, but they usually focus on video games and other electronic entertainment. And uh, so, Jeff, this was your second year going. Yes, it was. And my first year going. Yes, so it was. let's hear, you're, you're the expert. Uh, let's Let's hear some details. Tell us about your PAX experience this year. Oh, and I also want to point out, we did also go with uh, Emily and Sean from Bedtime Gamers, as well as Amy, and you met up with a bunch of friends there as well. And I actually ran into some people from my Long Island days who I had no idea were going to be there. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But, but uh, the, uh, the Sean and Emily didn't want to record with us. Something about us being, what was the word? Unprofessional and Dirty plebeians, like... Yeah, a lot of excessive cursing in our podcast. Something about smelling not good. And and things about Jeff. How could he not have a Yeti mic now? Yeah, like You're they were they, with a mixer and everything. They were getting super elitist. It was weird. I was like, guys, we had we shared this experience together, and and then they just started crying, and I realized I should probably back away. So. <laughs> I guess they didn't share the same experience we had, but no, they're going to be recording their stuff uh, separately and you can hear about uh, their point of view. They had a very, uh, we we definitely had several portions where we split up. So they got to see and do a lot of things that like we didn't and vice versa. Uh, But they put up a vlog. It's about 20 minutes long of, of stuff they recorded. And I highly recommend checking it out. You can find it posted on their Facebook. And I think they put, I don't know if they posted on their Instagram but uh, check that out. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It gives you an idea of what it's like there. Hey, and speaking of, how's your finger feeling after that fleck? That was um, that was painful. Also, yeah. also that was a joke. I never actually flicked it. I was no, overreacting. Absolutely, I know. It was I it know. was a, it was a sketch. <laughs> it was a sketch. Yes. Oh, I'm a I'm an obnoxious. <laughs> So Jeff, uh, sorry, I interrupted you. Tell us about your your thoughts on your PAX experience this year. Uh I actually really enjoyed PAX this year. Uh last year I went it was only for Saturday and Sunday, where 
technically it was supposed to be just Saturday, but then by the time I was getting ready to leave, uh, it made much more sense for me to actually stay overnight and uh, totally not crash in my friend's uh, hotel room on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this time I was a little more prepared for it. So I actually had a lot of fun with PAX this year because, again, spent all the time with you guys, uh, you, Jacob, Amy, the other people. The other people. Yes. Sean and Emma are now the other people. The other people. The other people. Uh, but overall, it was really fun. Demoed a lot of games. Yeah. I th- I actually th- think you would like uh, Vast. Vast, the uh, Haunted... Haunted Manor? Yeah, actually, I left. I left right before, right as you guys were in the middle of playing that game, and yeah. you were playing that vast the Haunted Manor, and it looked like a lot of fun. It de- the vast games are ones I've always wanted to try out, but for the most part, when when there was a bunch of us together and there was a game that could be played, I usually just out of politeness will be the one to say, "You guys go for it," and I'll just look at it separately and watch. So I had no problem doing that. Plus, I had to get going soon after that to to catch my plane. And uh, that looked like a lot of fun. Yeah, and we totally didn't see you around the corner just in the fetal position crying. I was a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Okay, The uh, so PAX Unplugged, I'd say, is somewhere between, from my experience, Dice Tower Con and Gen Con. It's not really a... It's a get-together-with-your-friends con, but it's not necessarily... Uh, it's more oriented... This year was more oriented towards the vendors. Uh, a lot of people were over there. A lot of people were demoing uh, games and just... Uh, and then, like, the events, like uh, the other guys and... Uh, Amy went to the up, up, down, down uh, panel. Yes, and like things like things like that. But uh, when we did get together and played games, it was actually a lot of fun. And I must thank you for my Christmas gift. I know that it's early, but You're thank welcome. you for Quacks. You're welcome. And I totally didn't order the bags that you showed us. Yeah, I don't want to buy the bags for you. Sorry. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> No, of course not. I understand that. I will talk I about totally that game too because that's a that that's a delight. With PAX, it's a lot more about the kind of seeing a lot of different things. It's more about the experiences rather than necessarily the games. You you can certainly find yourself a space and play games, but the open gaming area nine times out of ten was packed. Yes. It was crazy. Trying to find an open space was was sometimes very difficult, uh, especially after all the vendors closed around like what six o'clock. Yeah. So then there there was just like, oh, how many people can we fit at this table, and is it all of them? <laughs> I think that's actually the difference between like a convention and an expo, because 
this was while, while this was focused on the people and the players in a way like it was you're right all vendors companies uh, uh content creators all had like panels uh, shut up and sit down had one dice tower was there there were uh people selling all like there, there must have been 40 different booths just selling different types of dice I yeah. thought, yeah, there was a lot of that. There were lots of role playing things. And then, of course, we spent almost the entire time in the main hall where the expo and the free play and the tournament section was, which was enormous. Yep. But there was stuff happening in rooms and other sections throughout the entire building, which we didn't even touch on. Yeah, like we didn't go to the Gloomhaven uh, panel. Well, I hope you don't mind that, by the way. That was that was kind of my call, but it was uh, all your fault. I know, and we you guys agreed. You. I said, yeah. I, I just, I, I, I figured we'll hear enough about Frosthaven when it comes out. You held a knife to my throat and said, "Jeff, we're leaving." You can't like, prove that in a court of law. <laughs> <laughs> there are CCTV cameras. Look! 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 The only... <laughs> <laughs> the only reason the only reason I got away with that is because their security was garbage. I just walked right through. I beeped. They, said, they, they, they went past like, is that your belt? And I'm like, yes, it is a belt and not my knife. <laughs> and, they said, and they said, go on in. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, security was, it depended on the day and who you got. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Because... If you're standing there all day, checking people's bags and going and uh, seeing people, nerds come on through, like hundreds of nerds come on through. It's just like, okay, yes, yes, yes. There were several points Wait. where at least where I think I just walked right through and it went off and no one stopped me. Um, there was also parts where they were checking us very closely. So you were totally right about time of day and who it was. Yeah. But, and also, there was a second entrance open at the con. I don't know where, <laughs> but supposedly it was open. You're right. That's the thing. I heard that too afterwards. Like, there was a second entrance, and we're all like, where? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you mean like the opposite side of the building? Because let me tell you something about that Philadelphia Conference Center. It is the size of like three city blocks. Yeah, it was massive. Yeah, it was enormous, and which is cool, but like there were entrances everywhere, and there apparently there were only two open, and we don't know where the second one was. <laughs> <laughs> but it, to be fair, they uh, they really knew how to move lines. Yes, they really they were really professional. Mm -hmm. Well, professional when they weren't. Uh, Needing their coffee, but uh, <laughs> um, notice I didn't say donuts. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but just like all of the lines, all the enforcers, everyone there, they were professional. They kept us moving. And then the, the people on the uh, RPG line, the enforcers there were actually pretty funny. They were super strict. And I mean, like, I get it, yeah. but like I felt under attack several times. <laughs> <laughs> of, course, of course, Jacob, how are you not fitting in this six-inch <laughs> wide line They're here? Like no standing in front of the bathroom, which I totally understood, but I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think one of the cool things about PAX is it's incredibly welcoming atmosphere. 
they are what one of the things I, I'm annoyed before I left, I didn't get to get one of those little tags on my name tag that was like um LGBT ally or something like that in Rainbow. Everyone else got one and I couldn't find where they were giving those away. This oh. is probably one of the most pro LGBTQ things I've ever been to that didn't mm-hmm. focus on that specifically. Every almost every vendor had, you know, was selling merchandise or representing in some way like their their support for that in a way uh the 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 company i forget what they're called they create that game uh good dog bad zombie they had uh two flags one one rainbow flag and then one for i'm actually don't remember what it represents on there up just hanging there and it was it was was a place that was very inclusive which i liked and it was Mm. also very thoughtful of people who may have had other issues there was a quiet room somewhere that i never found for people who might just be overwhelmed or overstimulated from the massive amount of people. And let me tell you, there were points on Saturday where I felt like I needed a quiet room. And yeah, just, same here. This, so Friday was really good. Sunday was really good. Saturday was psychotic. It was, yeah, it there was, you could not, you could barely move in there. And, uh, I, that's just the nature of these kind of things. But at times I was wondering what I was even doing there. Cause like, you either had to wait online forever to demo something or to buy something or it just, it seemed like a crapshoot half the time. Yeah. And just to uh, go back for a second. Yeah, of course. The company that made good dog, bad zombie is make big things, make big things. I like that. Yes, they do make big things like a game about dogs and zombies. Yes. (laughs) And totally not anything. They make other things. I just don't remember what they are. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't remember. Yeah. But yeah, Saturday was a lot more of like your, uh, what I, what I imagine Gen Con would be like. Yeah. Very much. But, and it was near impossible to get a demo of anything. It was really hard. (laughs) Wasn't that the time when we uh, demoed uh, God of War? Yes. So Jeff and I got to demo. We actually we we demoed we demoed Coraline because we waited there by the table until they were done. Yeah, we were hanging over them very uncomfortably. We were, be, we were being super rude, and I don't care because that's what it drove you to at some point. It was like there was nowhere else to go. And then we no, demoed absolutely. God of War, which no one was sitting at, and there was a sign that said, "We'll be back in like what, like five minutes or something like that." They're getting lunch, and Jeff and I just sat there and we're like, "We'll wait until they come back." <laughs> And that's how we got a demo in of God of War. Yep. And then the guy uh, started demo. He was very nice. He started demoing us. Then he uh, came out with that slightly cringy joke. Uh, Oh, yeah. I think there was something. And also the fact that he was, he let us play with a character that we shouldn't have for the demo. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a, the Simon. Let's talk about the people for a second doing the volunteer stuff, which I get is hard to do and there's a million people. And I was thinking like, what if I volunteered for one of these tables? And I'm not sure I'd ever want to because there's so many people. And for the most part, most people at this convention were really nice. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't think anyone was absolutely mean to us by any means. But there were two guys who taught us God of War at the – they're not Simon now. They're like, come on, right? Isn't that what they are? Yeah, which is so – (laughs) <laughs> come on, come on, games, Simon, which used to be cool mini or not, but now it's come on games. And they had a life size 
like model of Kratos at there, which I thought was really cool, and tons of copies of the game. So the one guy you can see a picture of it on our Facebook. You, sorry, my Facebook that you'll see me next to him, looking very nervous as I should be, uh, because mm-hmm. I went around taking pictures of myself with every bald bearded guy who I thought looked a little bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was it was amazing. Don't you even don't you even, was, don't you act annoyed. Was. I have like five or seven I have like seven or eight pictures of me with people <laughs> that look like me and it's amazing. Uh, and that one guy was super excited. Yeah, that too. one guy was super happy. He gave him a big hug and everything. Everyone was super <laughs> awkward about it until I actually took the picture and they're like, Hey, you know what? That was great. And I'm like, Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, so this and guy comes over. Oh, sorry, go on. So also you didn't you didn't bring out the cloth and said, hey, does this smell like chloroform? <laughs> that was backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> that was plan B, Jeff. <laughs> so, so the first guy is teaching us God of War, and I'm not, I don't think he was teaching it in the way that I would have preferred to have learned it because – there were a lot of obvious questions here and there during it that I think should have been addressed first, but it was fine because we we understood it. And but he switched out one character with another character that was much harder to play, so mm-hmm. it was hard. It slowed the game down according to the second guy who came over, and the second guy was really just gloating about us losing. So it was a very weird experience. <laughs> it it was yeah. Uh, I liked the game. I thought it was fun. But yeah, it was interesting. I thought, Definitely. I thought it was neat. I thought it was neat. I, I'm still torn about whether or not I want, I would own it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's I, I didn't I didn't hate it. Yeah, I thought it was good, but I'm not sure if it's worth the price of admission. How much were they selling it for? Do you remember? Uh, it's all right if you don't. But I, I but, think like sixty. Oh God, no! It's not a sixty dollar game. Uh, actually, let me just take a look. I find it weird. That and by the way, weren't the standees for the characters just cut out cardboard? Yes, they were. A, a company that used to be called Cool Mini or Not, which focuses on games with lots of miniatures, had this game that, first of all, I think anything that should be God of War should be like a miniatures game where you're beating up monsters. And there are no miniatures in that game. It's completely card based uh, in every in every aspect. Well, that's the or not part, Jacob. <laughs> Don't you know what they're known as? Come on. <laughs> there was also there was also a really friendly guy who taught us a game called the Age of Dirt. Yes, he was a good guy. He was not getting the rules right for that game. I had and Hell I, no. I knew while we were playing that the, I'd never even seen the game before, and I'm like, this does not make sense. The thing you're saying, so. Uh, but he, but again, he had a million people he had to get through the game with, and he probably just learned it literally the day before. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mad at him about that, but I'm like, mm, I, yeah. something seems weird here. That game, by the way, adorable. It is. And, uh, God of War, I'm sorry, I thought it was 60, but it's actually 40. That's a little better. And, yeah. um, I'd still like, maybe if it was like 20. Or free. Yeah, for free. If free, I'll free take stuff, it. Simon. <laughs> We will shill for. Oh wait, sorry. Come on, we'll shill for you all the time. We will say give us free stuff. We will say nothing but positive things if you give us free stuff, because that's because that's because that is professional and ethical. <laughs> no, it's um, 
Yeah. So I thought Age of I thought Age of Dirt was a cute game. It's definitely um it skews towards younger audiences, I think. Uh, but it's really fun and and uh, for what it was, and I and I liked that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was yeah. so much, so much stuff. Yeah. Um, that that Coraline game was a lot of fun. Yes, I want to talk about Coraline for a second. So we got to play it with the creator of the game. Yes, the design, the designer. Um, so my buddy Jordan from way back when. Uh, he's a teacher now on Long Island, and uh, we used to do theater together. And he shows up, and he's he 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 goes. I had no idea he was going to be there, and he joined us for a bunch of games while we were there. And so he was super excited to play that game. So he played it for one round, and then we joined him for the second round. And the creator of the game, and um, oh, this person who's uh, it was this girl. I don't remember her, her name. We just met her there, but she had a really cool. Um, tattoos on her arm from the book series Mistborn I thought was really neat. I had to show that to Eric because yeah. he's a huge Mistborn fan. So we're playing this game with the creator, and uh, it's – what's the company that made it? Uh, WizKids. Yes. And when they were first playing the game, I was talking to one of their people, representatives there, and they told me – I was looking at the core line, and I'm like, is this just a – is this a demo? Is this like a, a, a prototype? And sh- she told me no. She told me it is not a prototype, uh, and I said, the material looks kind of janky, and she agreed with me, and they said apparently there was a whole discussion about what the material should be made of and price points and stuff like that. Now, before we even talk about the game as it is, that's why I wanted to mention this. The material looks so cheap. It's You don't need a board, apparently. There's a board, like, but it's paper. It's a paper like fold-out, and you put cards on top of it, so it's not like... But then again, MSRP of it is $20. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's a $20 yeah. game. I'd see it. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> no, totally. Because this stuff, this stuff ain't cheap to make. So, like, if it's 20 bucks to make it, like, palatable for, like, you know, Target and Walmart and stuff like that, then, yeah, I totally see that. Yeah, same here. Uh, tell us about it. So, Coraline the game is you don't play any of the uh, – main characters. You don't play Coraline, you don't play Bobinski, you don't play the other mother, you don't play uh, YB. You play the ghost children who are trying to help Coraline uh, uh, complete their game. So, for those of you who are who are not in the know, Coraline is a claymation movie and book that, that has been out for a long time. And uh, The book's written by Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah, it's a Neil Gaiman. It was a Neil Gaiman book that they then turned into a, into a into a film. Uh, I believe directed by the it was directed by the director of Nightmare Before Christmas, who is not Tim Burton. Tim Burton had nothing to do with the movie, but people often think he directed it, but he did not. It was um the name escapes me at the moment. We'll look it up later. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So basically, the other mother is trying to. Basically, so whole uh, so buttons into your eyes because reasons. Yeah, she wants to take your 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 ghost soul, be, your child soul, and be evil. Henry Selleck is the director. Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck. Okay, cool. Uh, and you're you play as victim, past victims. So you're trying to help Coraline beat the other mother and get out of the uh, other world. So. Your goal is is to try and find uh, 
different treasures that she needs and to reveal them so then she can actually pick them up and find them. The whole entire thing is done through card play. So a card can be like uh, if Wabinski and Coraline are in the same room, reveal this treasure, but also move the other mother to your room, <clears throat> to Coraline's room. Or like, oh, she has to move this way. Oh, you spawn these characters, things like that. It's very, the rules are very simple. Reading the card explains the card. I don't understand. <laughs> Read the card, Jacob. I did, and I don't know what it says. It says, move Coraline and pick up the item. I don't get it. <laughs> what does this have to do with the cat? Can I move the cat? Not yet. Then I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, so the game ends when you run out of the other mother cards or the moon. The moon is fully eclipsed with the button in which the other mother takes that needle and thread and sews buttons into your eyes because reasons. And those cards come out because some because just like any other cooperative game, at the end of every round, uh, a card comes out that gives you a choice. And it's like if the following is found, you either need to let the moon continue to like turn over a moon card to bring you one step close to the end of the game or do the following, which will hurt you. So either way, it, it hurts you. Yeah, but it's, it's always a lesser of the two evils. So like. Oh, uh, advance the moon, or you lose all of your treasures, <laughs> and then you have to do it all over again. Uh, my assessment of this game is that it is hard as fuck. It is. Oh, my God. It, it is, is incredibly difficult. And the theme is there in as much as, like, they were able to make it the game of, like, hide and seek or find and seek kind of thing that was in the movie. Mm -hmm. But it's really just that scene. It's kind of interesting moving the characters around and having things go. But uh, we were all in it. When we were starting to play it, we were all like, you know, just staring down, trying to figure out the best thing to do. You, you can communicate openly with everyone and tell everyone, I have this card to do this. Well, I have this thing. Well, why don't we move that person with there and then do that and that and that. And it really gets you trying to figure out the puzzle of this game but it just beats you over the head it did but also we weren't able to really discuss the cards themselves but we could say hey uh if you somebody could move uh yb and Coraline together i got a great card for this no we weren't allowed to i think he even said that there was times where i read out loud what the card did huh i think anyway i, th I hope so <laughs> The creator was right there. He would he would have yelled at yeah. me, think otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's just sitting there silently judging you as you read out yeah, the card. Smug as a bug in a rug, just staring at us, laughing maniacally to himself as we as we cried, cried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was an interesting uh, experience. It wasn't a long game. No, it wasn't. It was like maybe half an hour. Yeah. Um, so that that was fun. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Uh, one game that I got to demo that you didn't get to demo, 
I was trying to get the others together, but you were all like, oh, we're doing something else. <laughs> Who cares about Jeff? To be fair, I say that all the time about everything. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to demo Cthulhu Death May Die, also from Simon, actually. Come on. Come on. <laughs> no, it's always going to be Simon to me because the whole entire switching to come on thing is stupid. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> but Cthulhu Death May Die is an Ameritrash version of Arkham Horror, which yeah. is already an Ameritrash game. Yeah. It's even more Ameritrashy than Arkham Horror. And it is awesome. Each person has a character. I had a character called The Kid, who was a little girl with fire in her hand. Like she could shoot out fireballs. And it was awesome. It's just a big, it's just a big miniatures game of 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 uh, Cthulhu stuff, right? Yeah, and uh, what I like about it is that it seems like the setup is a lot quicker than, say, like Mansions of Madness, where uh, Mansions of Madness you have to f- turn on the app, you got to follow through with everything, get all the puzzle pieces together. And then you can go this. You just choose a scenario, slap down the pieces of the board, and then bing, bada, boom, you're ready to go. <laughs> it's a it's a dice chucker. So whenever you attack, you're rolling dice. Whenever you're defending, you're rolling. Uh, no, you're not rolling dice when you're defending. Uh, but there's a track where uh, Cthulhu is slowly moving down the track. And... Once he gets to a certain point, he actually spawns on the board. And instead of being totally outgunned and like, oh, gay men's madness everywhere, it's explained that you can punch Cthulhu in the face, <laughs> basically. <laughs> like, he's going to be extremely tough, but you can, if you band together, you can actually defeat him. We actually didn't get to that point, but. Just the overall mechanics and the dice mitigation was actually really cool. And I totally didn't get that as Lloyd's birthday uh, present. (laughs) Along with others, because it's a $90 game. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Now, I saw people walking around. I didn't see it at 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 the come on table, but I saw people walking around with the, what, like, three foot size or, like, foot high toddler sized quote-unquote miniature of Cthulhu for that game. Yeah, it was one of the uh, one of the backer tiers for the game. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't have backed it at that level, but who needs that? <laughs> Seriously, who needs something that big? You know the answer to that. Actually, it's us. <laughs> yes. I think I think if I remember correctly, they said that one of the scenarios you could actually use it. The, <laughs> the statue thing. Yeah, that's the point. Isn't it supposed to be actually like a usable? It's not just for fun. It's supposed to be used in the game somehow, right? Yeah, but I'm just like, that's gonna take up like three feet of space on the table, <laughs> and then you're gonna have one foot left for the uh, board, and everybody crushed around it yeah and it's like oh my god it's excessive it's it's pretty big 
Yeah, and this is board game world problems. <laughs> what was your favorite game that we got to demo? Okay, so at the expo, so I really liked. There, there were things that I liked that I that, that I didn't even get to like really play. I or the things I was upset I didn't get to play. Like I didn't get to demo the Marvel deck building game. That was really hard to get into. Oh yeah, no, and and it's. It's an LCG, not a deck builder. I'm sorry. Yes, LCG. Yes, a living card game, not a deck builder. We, I didn't get to demo the Funko game, but we did talk to somebody about it, and it looked like a lot of fun. And I ended up getting it for Anita for Christmas. I got her the Harry Potter one and the Golden Girls one. Nice. Yeah, which she was really excited about because <laughs> uh, she, she got it already, and she was very happy about it. Um, Amy, uh, Amy, me, and the other people. The other people. The other people have. Uh, I actually did a demo of the Funko verse. It was fun. Yeah, it was quick. It seemed like it was like a quick kind of fun, silly game, and and that's really all I was expecting of it. Yeah, it's all about the many Funkos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, what we, what is it we did? Uh, I picked up a copy of the evil. Uh, what is it? The evil Power Master or the uh, War with the Evil, War Power, with the evil Power Master, the uh, Choose Your Own Adventure game, because uh, that's something that even if I just play it by myself, I, I kind of wanted to see what that was like. It's a Choose Your Own Adventure game with a lot of reading and stuff, and that seemed kind of cool. Yes, and whenever you read the cards out loud, you need to do the uh, old-timey announcer voice. Because it sounds like this, yes, with Space, the Power Master. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh even by yourself. The, the, and, and you notice like a lot of these things, are like, like I didn't really get to demo full scale a lot of these games. So I'm just talking about like really quick first impressions, which is all this is. Uh, that mm-hmm. the, that game called Ducks in uh, Ducks in Tow, which is a game where you go around and you collect ducks at a park. And that just looked adorable. <laughs> Press white a honk. Oh, I looked on it. Unfortunately, the Kickstarter ended already. But apparently, if you Kickstarter backed it, you could have gotten the Angry Goose as a, uh, um, as, a as like a special <laughs> thing, which I thought was hysterical. Uh, and then, now Amy was really, really into this one thing. And I have to agree, because it's up her alley. Amy's really big into escape room type stuff and that kind of sort of mystery solving puzzle thing. So she saw that game called Shivers, the, or like The Shivers. The Shivers, It's yeah. going to be a kind of essentially almost like an escape room. It's a pop-up board, and you can replace the background of the pop-up so you see different things. Uh, it's the first quote-unquote pop-up board game, and uh, that was really neat. I don't think they've even uh, launched the Kickstarter for that yet. Yeah, I think they're doing it at the beginning of next year just because of the December rush and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. But there is... There's two games I did play fully. There's three games, actually. I want to save those for later since the ones I played. I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about before we get to them. Uh, let's see. Uh, that dice that dice game that we demoed at uh, at White Wizard. Was that um, Kapow? Yes, Kapow. Yeah, I because it was only one-on-one, I let you guys play, and I watched, and I thought that was neat. It It was a lot of fun. And I don't care that I lost. The villain <laughs> never wins, but it was it was actually really cool. It's a uh, it's basically hero versus villain like a comic book, and just it was a fun little dice trucker. Yeah, it was uh, it was excellent. You you just roll dice and you assign them to things like to either defend or attack or do a special power, and 
and then you reveal it and that's and that's it and uh i have to agree with with sean that the price is a little high for what it was yeah they and they were dropping it too the reason the price was so high is because it uses modular dice that you can change the faces on yeah which is really cool it's a i've that they've been using that in a bunch of games a couple of years ago i remember so that was neat another one over by the white wizard table and this is the one where i'm going to i'm going to disagree strongly with the rest of you that would be sorcerer i thought sorcerer was all right i it's definitely a two player game the playing it with multiplayer with you me and amy that was a lot and it just really slowed down and complicated the game because you had to really uh going through the locations and everything that was it was just kind of a mess yeah. there so sorcerers this game it's 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 where you create a deck of cards based off of like a character a type of magic and then a setting and you 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 pick one from a style and you mash them together and that's your deck and you basically wallop on each other with creatures until one person's dead and the other person's not and everyone now you all liked this game a lot this game first of all it's gorgeous the art the art is fantastic Mm-hmm. It's really cool to look at, and uh, but my problem with it has nothing to do with the fact that you, me, and Amy played it three player because that had nothing to do with it. it. It really had to do with that it was sort of a combination of Smash Up and Magic, and I felt like it didn't do either really well. And I feel like it sort of there was too many moving parts. You have a board, you move one thing for. Uh, your power level to go up. You have all these different options of things and all this other stuff. And then at the end of the day, after you assign your creatures to the battlefield, you then roll die to figure out what the actual damage is. But the roll doesn't matter either because you can spend other things to change those. And it was just, to me, the game is very messy. And I I just didn't think it was that great. But I, I know that you and Amy and the others were uh, were pretty big fans of it. The others... Um, but, but, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, not everyone's gonna like everything, but that was my take on the game. And Jacob, yes, your fun is wrong. I know. I know. I've been told this many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell Sean and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what about the game medium? Medium was a lot of fun. Medium was purchased by my buddy Jordan. He had played it there with some people. It is a party style game. You have uh, you're next to people and you each put a card down with a word on it and you and the person need to figure out a word in your head that you think best relates to those two in some way. And then you have three turns to try and figure out what each other's words are and they change each time they do it. It's basically uses this kind of like subconscious trick that like illusionists have used for a long time and other people about figuring out how people's words uh, in their heads associate with other words. And it's all using that to kind of... Uh, figure it out it was a really neat what did you think of it i thought it was awesome and i did purchase it the following day when the fender hole opened so uh i'll try it out with my game group and hopefully it'll work as well as it did with us it did not work that well with us sometimes (laughs) (laughs) no it did not it was hilarious if you want to see a a couple of round example rounds of it. Look up the uh, the uh, vlog that the other people have done. The bedtime bedtime gamers the other have people. done the bedtime gamers vlog. Yeah. Yes. 
and you'll see Jacob and I fail miserably the first time. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I think you and I know each other longer than anyone else there knew each other, and you wouldn't know that from watching this game. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah. what it is is that the hard part is the cards there. Because you're thinking, oh, this card is going to be awesome with this. He's going to get it right away. And then we overthink things. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh. Or we're thinking something completely we different. Screw? You know, it's just, it's it's bizarre. <laughs> it's a really it, interesting it game, bizarre. though. If you're looking for a different type of party game, I think this one's worth checking out. Hell yeah, definitely. We actually managed to get a couple of games in. We managed to play Ticket to Ride. Europe, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun. I like that one. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's always a good one. And it's easy to learn. And it was Amy's first time, but she she got it pretty much right away. Yeah, it was her first so ticket to good. ride, period. It It's just enough to make it interesting versus the uh, base game. You guys got to do role player. We didn't finish role player. Uh, because I was getting super tired. Uh, we were, we were all super tired and also the, uh, they were going to be closing the, uh, hall, the whole hall in like a couple of minutes. So we ended up, uh, stopping that game. And I, I had bowed out of that cause I had, I wanted to eat the food I went to go pick up. And then while I was going to return games to like head out, I actually ended up teaching these two guys how to play, um, pandemic Cthul- reign of Cthulhu, which I thought was <laughs> a, a nice little random thing I got to do. Cause I like to teach games. And that was just sort of like, I could see this guy sitting there staring at the board in the directions like with a, with a, with a, what? <laughs> buddy, I'm your savior. Step aside, and he said, nerd. please stop touching me. And I said, <laughs> We tried playing Root, and that went about as well as you could expect from people that were super tired. You you essentially set the game up and stared at it for a while. Yes. Yes, we did. So Root, for those of you who don't know, is a uh, asymmetric war-style game with a theme similar to like the Red Wall series where all of the people are anthropomorphic animals and uh it's a kind of a fantasy setting it looks really cool i actually own a copy of it and i want to play it i want to learn how to play it but like uh vast it's extremely asymmetric as in we each have similar rounds round turns but how we complete those actions is completely different from one another so in order to actually try and teach this game or even learn this game you have to learn four totally different ways to play the game because you have the cat people the uh cat dynasty and guess who played that one oh that would be emily of course (laughs) Uh, oh wait it would be one of the others Yes, one of the others. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she, like, they basically, they, they're they the ruling power. They want to take over areas and industrialize, basically. They score points that way. Uh, I played the uh, 
the Eerie. Wait, no, that's the Eerie Dynasty, and then the Cats were something else. Uh, but I was the, I was basically the bird folks who were the former rulers and trying to take over the territories again. My whole entire thing was that I was trying to program movements and actions and everything. And uh, it's cool because if you aren't able to complete the programming that you put, you actually there's actually a revolution and you switch leaders. So there are a whole bunch of leaders and they all do a different sort of thing that they want to focus on. And then Sean played the Woodland Alliance, which were all the little critters, the Rebel Alliance, if you will. And he didn't start with any soldiers on the board. He had to build sympathy up with uh, others and then use that sympathy to find, to eventually install an officer there so then they could actually fight. And if we weren't super tired... And barely past the second turn, by the time Jacob came back with the food, we could have probably grokked it. We probably could have figured it out. But unfortunately, we only got two turns in. And then we were like, yeah, no, this is Yeah, you're not saying, working. oh, they played this, this, he played that, I played this. You guys didn't really play anything. <laughs> uh, it, what it is is that it, it was a... It was a little tutorial that they have to like for first time gamers of it to kind of try to get a handle on the moves but we were all just like uh what yeah no it it min- trying to play that game at midnight when we got woke up at like 7am not good a bad idea bad yeah idea. slightly bad idea what else did we play jacob well, we did play a game that I did end up getting you for your uh, birthday Christmas. And yes, my birth miss. This was a game we actually did get to demo. It was the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Uh, this is a game where you are, you and a bunch of others are a bunch of like, you know, potion makers. You're a bunch of uh, quacks. You're doctors who are not real doctors. You're just kind of make potions to sell to people. And you're having you're at this big festival. And over nine days, you have to try to make the best potions possible. And you do that by purchasing ingredients and then pulling them randomly, blindly out of a bag and putting them into your pot. Yep. And if you put too much of a certain type out, the white cherry bombs... They your potion explodes and you don't get to get all you don't get to collect all the reward other people would get and you can't keep pulling things out and uh, this is essentially a push your luck game where you just keep wondering do I pull out the next ingredient or are we going to explode should you should you punk the answer is always yes always (laughs) yeah I I was actually pretty good at the game because usually I am horrible at saying, Jeff, stop. Jeff, what are you doing? <laughs> no, stop. Take that hand out of the bag. What are you doing? <laughs> and then I slowly descend into madness and like somehow I get inside the bag. <laughs> it's like oh You are this. the bag now. <laughs> <laughs> 
This game, uh, which looks super like it looks super weird and confusing when you first look at it, but once you know how it's played, it's super easy and simple. Yeah, because each of the ingredients have a special action that you can do. But just kind of first getting explaining it seems like it's is the most difficult part of it because it's like, hey, you need to remember that this one does this and this one does this one. But it's all nice and laid out for you, so you don't have to... You have to remember them, but you don't have to be like... Uh, super aware of you don't them. even have to because for on the first part it's, it's all in front of you it has it there on the thing where you collect them mm-hmm. the, you're only buying one or two ingredients maybe just one a turn so you're not like buying a million of them and then half of them aren't available for purchase or like two or three aren't available until purchase till later in the game yep so like you can only have to worry about those two or three right there one of them doesn't do anything if you pick that that type because you can change what they do, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. The game is, like, I was super surprised at just how fun this game was. And I knew after playing with you immediately, I'm like, yeah, this is something that even I'd want to get. This is really good. Yeah. And my one complaint of it are the uh, cardboard chits inside those bags that is a legit problem that it really is because they were they constantly got stuck in the corners so you had to literally shake it like one side and like and even that didn't do much you had to get your hands in there and like physically remove them from each other and like move them around to make it random enough yeah so in order to fix that i actually went on etsy and purchased a Double-sided shields for them, so we'll see how that works. You're a monster. Yes, I am a monster, but also it's a super fun game, and it's something to fix the problem because I'm not sure when the uh, when the uh, board game geek uh, upgraded tokens are going to come back into the store. So yeah, and also I want to play it before then, so it's like. Uh... <laughs> Eh, it's kind of a, do I spend money on this or do I spend money on this or wait yeah. on this? Some of the some of those things were as expensive to get as like other games. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, Jeff, before any, before any closing comments, because I got one last thing I want to say about the whole thing over. Are there any other games or any other things we should, we, we, we're forgetting or missing? Uh, not really, other than uh, one thing. Is the food situation. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yes. yes. The food situation is garbage. Because there were tens of thousands of people there. And <laughs> it's a city and there there are restaurants, yes. There is the uh, marketplace across the street from the convention center, yes. But when everybody's going for the same thing at the same time... Mm-hmm. And the market is super popular. Mm-hmm. You're more than likely going to have to go to like Domino's or something. Yeah. So like, especially on Saturday, that was the hardest one because there were so oh. many people. But like, you you can go to the eatery area that's in the actual convention center, which just had your garbage regular food that was overpriced and not great. Yep. But it was there. 
And that the lines for that were long. And basically, if you were paying with a card, the line for the card line was just not moving. So luckily, I had cash on me. So we were able to just all check out quicker with that, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense. And then we yeah. go to the market. We went to get lunch at 3 p.m. At like 3 p.m. on Saturday. That market was packed to the gills. You could not move in there. So we left. We tried to go to that hamburger place. The line was forever. We left. We, You guys ended up eating. You waited for like a half hour for a spot at Chili's. Chili's. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going back to the room and taking a nap and eating a, um, a protein bar. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I couldn't. I was just like, no, I'm sorry. And that that actually helped me out a lot. So mm. uh, the, f- the food situation there is, oh, and then we get the dinner on Friday night. We had to uh, wait for a half hour or longer uh, to get a seat. Yeah, but then again, the food there was really good. It was really good. It was a, I forget what it was called. It was a, a pub slash restaurant. Yeah. A brewery they, slash restaurant. Yeah. And their brews were actually really good too. Yeah, the Dice Tower went there that, that night too. Uh, yeah. And then um we, Tom Vessel. Tom Vessel thinks he can just walk in with his hat and take whatever table he wants. He can't. He has to wait in line. <laughs> and then You're not just Miami looks, anymore, buddy. <laughs> and then he just looks at us and it's like, Can we have your table? And we're like, Yes. That did not happen, and I would not give my table up to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so like, and, and, and then the, then, uh, Saturday night, I'm like, I do need to eat. I do want some food. So, um, there's supposed to be an amazing Chinatown. So I just took, I did take out Chinese that night and brought it back for everyone. Yes. And and thank you for that. You're welcome. It was really good. It was really good. And the worst part is I had leftovers and I couldn't, I didn't even bring them the next day for Sunday. They ended up getting tossed out and I got real mad at myself, but no, the, the food situation is real bad. The, a lot of the con, I don't know if they're ready for that size of people because there was a lot of problems. People on the Facebook page were complaining. This one woman got up. She had a whole complaint about getting online at 6 a.m. before they're even open at 8 and then being the first in line at everything, including the line to get into the actual expo. She was like, that's how early she got up just to buy a special pair of dye. And by the time she got there, the entire die set was sold out from the vendors who are already there, like selling to each other or to the staff or something like that. And that I felt bad about that. Yeah. And that just that, that is absolute garbage. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not fair. She was literally the first person who could have possibly bought it. Who was just a normal ticket holder and she couldn't get one. And, and I can understand from others point of view, like, Hey, it's not something you necessarily need, but also it's like, dude, you're waiting online the whole entire time for it, and you're expecting them to have enough inventory to uh, handle that, and then you sell everything out to the people that are there on business. Like people like Stronghold Games, Dice Tower, I'm, I'm not saying that they were involved, but it was like, the vendors themselves, they're there on business. They're there to sell games and everything there. Yes, you can. Yes, there are swaps, there are trades. You do get in there first, but to take advantage of that and to get an extremely limited item, that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth there. It does. It does. And there's people defend them like they're gamers too. It's like, no, they're vendors selling their stuff and 
like expo people and people who like volunteered and they do get benefits for doing that and that's fine but like there's got to be a limit like it's it's or 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 they should maybe they should have brought more stuff i don't know it's just it does leave a bad taste in the mouth mm-hmm. another thing which i can't believe we almost forgot uh the signing up for role-playing things oh yeah I thought it was an okay thing, but then I realized most other places do do it online ahead of time, and I think maybe that would have been a better thing. They make you wait in line, and we got there early on Saturday, but the line was still long. By the time we even got into the room where you could sign up, they announced that the game we wanted to sign up for was sold out or filled up, waitlist only. Yeah, which was, eh. it was something that we wanted to do, but it was like, it didn't really hurt that we didn't get to do it but still it's like uh, i was disappointed i was looking forward to it i was disappointed but i understand we got to do other things but saturday was a mess so yeah saturday was a mess so that that (laughs) left that also left a bad taste in my mouth so but i guess maybe they just it's it's hard because there's probably tons of people who want to play and they probably didn't have enough people to to host games which i which i get but uh, you know, I didn't want. I didn't want to get up at six in the morning to wait online to get inside to get on the line at whatever time. But that's maybe that's my fault. <laughs> it's always your fault, Jacob. This is true. Overall, PAX was a fun experience. There were some downsides on, like the food, things like that. But overall, it was a. F- it was a fun experience. Got to hang out with friends. I uh, got to see a bunch of my uh, gaming friends from the island that used to be on the island, but are now yeah. kind of s- spread to the wind. <laughs> uh, and overall, just it was a really good time. Just wish it was a little bit easier with the food. Hopefully next time they figure something out or like we figure something out, like maybe going like 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock for lunch or something. If we're or arranging like the- orders and takeouts kind of thing and send somebody to pick stuff up each time. There's got like, like planning ahead of time. Yeah. will definitely make it a little, run a little smoother. Yep. Exactly. And I hope the expo, like I hope the expo takes these complaints seriously and not like, be dismissive or listen to like the apologists who try to act like these things are okay. Cause there's always room for improvement, especially when as a whole, like you said, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I would, and I'm, I'm going to recommend that people don't go so that there's less people <laughs> for when yes. we go. No, it's oh, really yeah, great. No. You should definitely go. No, Pex is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. Man, Jerry Holkins is the worst. <laughs> I mean, man, <laughs> Packs more like sucks. <laughs> <laughs> more like sex. More like keeping s- it sexy. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to keep it sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, overall, really fun. Highly recommended. If you're if you're looking for if this is like your first con, it's going to be very overwhelming. I'd say look at something like uh, like an Origins or like a local con, local convention. Like uh, here we have the Long Island Retro mm-hmm. Expo, which is like classic gaming. Uh, 
this one may be like your good for like your third maybe fourth con because now you got experience for it you kind of know what to expect but if it's your first one you'll probably feel overwhelmed and may not be as good of an experience as people are saying or like we're saying it was good yeah and check out panels because that's something we didn't really do. Um, there were there were a bunch of cool ones if that's your kind of thing, uh, because that's always a good way to use your time. We probably should have looked into that more on Saturday when there was so many things happen, like when you couldn't move anywhere in the main center. But yeah. uh, if this is one you go to, go with an open mind and open schedule. Just yep. sort of let the wind take you. Walk around. Just take it all in. And I would have gone to the up up down down convention uh, panel. If it wasn't for some guy that was just giving me puppy dog guys the whole entire time. Who was that? Jacob. Wait, what? You didn't go because of me? <laughs> no. No, it's a joke. It's a joke. Your joke sucks. I, I kind I kinda <laughs> wanted to, but I also felt bad for leaving you by yourself. Oh, day. God, Jeff, I do shit by myself all the time. I had no idea. I'm sorry. You should have gone. <laughs> <laughs> At no point was I being was I making anyone feel obligated to do anything. I, I was very like... He was doing I, the whole entire time. You you know me. I'm very like, no, go do your thing. I'll meet <laughs> no, up with joking. you. I'm very like, I'm, I'm, I'm very, you know, sometimes Jacob's got to do his Jacob thing. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, this is a lot of fun. Well, Jeff, thanks for talking to me about your experience there. No problem. And I can't wait to hear what the others have to say about it. Yes. And the others. Yeah, so we will have this uh, episode come out hopefully soon and we'll talk next time. Maybe next time we'll we'll talk about some Star Wars with everyone. Uh, now that I've uh, Eric and I have already posted ours alongside this. Uh, next convention we're going to be to is going to be Escape WinterCon in February in Florida. Yeah, boy. Yeah. And uh, we'll tell you all about that later. So thank you so much for listening to Geek and Spiel. I'm Jacob. I'm Jeff. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. Da, 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 da.